Looking to buy or sell a home? Make sure you have the knowledge you need with a professional home inspection from National Property Inspections Fort Wayne, covering hundreds of homes' vital systems from roof to foundation. MPI also offers radon, mold, and pest inspections to give you complete peace of mind. Plus, every home inspection comes with a free six-month warranty. NPI is a veteran-owned, family-operated business that's proud to serve our local community. Call 260-705-9835 to schedule your inspection with MPI, Fort Wayne's premier home inspection service. Get $25 off your home inspection when you mention code NPI25. Hey there, my name is Tyler Morningstar, and I'm here with my co-host and mom, Carrie Morningstar. This is the Selling Fort Wayne podcast. This podcast is focused on all things real estate related in and around the Fort Wayne area. We'll also touch on some community events and some community outreach as well. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Hey, this is Tyler, and this is Carrie Morningstar. And we just had a really good and interesting, and I would say informative conversation with Mayor Henry. There is so much happening in Fort Wayne; it's unbelievable. Yeah, it was it was really it was a really good conversation, and the mayor was kind enough to stop by a second time. We had some some issues with the first recording, and he came back, and it was just it was really cool to listen and talk to him. And we were so appreciative that he out of his busy day. I mean, we felt like there should be more listeners listening to him. So come on, listen. <laughs> and a quick heads up, we there were some still some audio issues while talking to him. So just bear with us. It kind of goes in and out a little bit, but I still think you'll find the episode enjoyable. And interesting and rewarding. Yep. Thanks again. So we are very fortunate today. We have Mayor Henry with us today for actually the second time. <laughs> right. Um, the mayor came in a few months ago and went to upload the uh, the file and the card was corrupted and we lost the whole show. I think we talked about 45 minutes and we lost the whole thing and he's been gracious enough to come back. So we really appreciate that. My yes. pleasure. Thank you. Yay. My pleasure. I think we have an applause in here. Oh, yeah. Oh, there there we, we go. <laughs> yes. Thank you. So, uh, Mr. Mayor, would you kind of give us a, a background and, and kind of of your life and how you got oh, to where sure. you are? Well, actually, I was born in Indianapolis, Indiana, while my father was in graduate school. And uh, then we moved back to Fort Wayne after a couple of professional stints in a couple of uh, other towns as, uh, as my father began to mature in his profession. But we ended up back in Fort Wayne, which is actually where our family is from. The Henry family has been in Fort Wayne about 150 years. Oh, my uh, word. Yeah, there's, uh, there's, we, there's we a have, lot of you. We have uh, a very rich and deep history in, in the city. But uh, as the years progressed, uh, I'm the second oldest of 17 children, good, good Catholic family. Uh, this, again, Fort Wayne is our home. Most of my siblings are here. I have uh, a sister in Kokomo, Indiana. Uh, her husband uh, works with Indiana University. And then I have a, a sister up in Wisconsin who is a retired teacher now. But all the rest of us are here, and uh, we've continued to, to grow our family. I think I have uh, about 150 nephews and nieces now. Wow. But uh, so I think, <laughs> I think the Henry name will probably be around 
uh, for, for quite a while here in Fort Wayne. I guess so. My goodness. So your parents, how many grandchildren did they have? Both of them are gone now, but my mom left us a couple of years ago. She had uh, 60, a little over 60 grandchildren and about 90 great-grandchildren. Oh, my Of course, my there's word. significantly more than that now. That was a couple years ago. I bet Christmas is exciting. <laughs> Do you try to all get together still? The my siblings and I get together and our uh, and our spouses, but uh, we can't. It's hard to get the whole family together at Christmas. So now my mother and father, when they were alive, they had two gatherings uh, during the holidays. One was for their grandchildren. We we were not allowed to go. It was just for their grandchildren. And the second party was was for uh, me and my siblings. Uh, that was a little more uh, of an adult party. But again, mom and dad, as I mentioned, are no longer with us. So we don't have that type of of gathering anymore. Uh, my siblings and I still get together, but as far as something for all the grandchildren, we kind of take care of our own now. It's kind of funny how that happens because I came from a large family as well, and it seems like when your grandparents leave, it kind of just splinters off. It's kind of yeah. sad. It, it is. Uh, we still have Henry reunions uh, once every several years. We just had one this past summer, and there's oh, three or 400 of us. Oh my goodness, that's exciting. I'd like to be a small little mouse and see what happens there. When you uh, were growing up, what are some of the things that you did? What were some hobbies for you? What did you like to do? Well, I, all, of, all of the boys played sports. And some of us were better in some sports than others. Sure. Uh, my sport was was uh, baseball primarily, and a little bit of football. But I'm not that large of a of a man, so baseball was was kind of the of the sport that most of us played. Our family was not very tall, so not too many of us played basketball. But football and baseball seemed to be the two sp- uh, uh, choices. Uh, for, for sports, so we we played each other. Our family was big enough where we would have our own team, so we would play each other. Or again, in in uh, elementary school, middle school, high school, uh, we played sports. Uh, and then I also read a lot. My father was an avid reader and instilled in most of us the joy of reading. So I I read a lot as well. So a couple questions form out of that answer. Uh-huh. One, what was your favorite position to play in baseball? <laughs> okay. Two, who are your favorite authors? <laughs> and three, what are you reading right now okay. that's interesting to you? Well, I played second base. Okay. And, well, that's uh, a tough position. I'm, I'm happy because my grandson also plays second base. Okay. Uh, he plays for, for Northside High School. And uh, so it's kind of fun to see him play the position that, that I used to play. And I was an average player. I wasn't bad, but I, I was not real good. Now, my grandson is outstanding. Of course, you expect to hear that from, from his grandfather. <laughs> we well, better but, throw uh, his name out there so we can give him a little glory uh, here. A little Nicholas. Uh, no pressure, Nicholas. Nick, Nick is he's, he's, he's a good ball player. And when I was growing up, I, I loved the classics. Everything from books from Mark Twain to to some of the other uh, famous authors. I just, uh, I found their writing styles to be just superb, uh, much more than some of the, the more modern authors. Now, right now, uh, I read so much work-related sure. stuff that if I want to get away and really 
uh, read something uh, out of the ordinary. Uh, David Balducci is a is a favorite of mine. Uh, you know, he read uh, he he writes kind of action drama type books, uh, but that takes me completely out of my element, which is good. Um, and uh, I've read a lot of his books. He's probably written oh two or three dozen books, and they're just you know just kind of fun books to read. Otherwise, most of my reading, unfortunately, is confined to work-related material. Okay, I've got a big one for you, and then we'll move on a little bit. But <laughs> now, with uh, all your siblings <laughs> and your uh, mom and dad, I'm sure your dad had one little idiom that the Henry family keeps saying, or it's been passed on from generation mm-hmm. to generation. And what might that be? <laughs> That's a well, good one. Well, you know, besides some of his... Uh, uh, famous uh, words in vain, which some of us have retained. Uh, the again, we were Catholic, so the term Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Uh, he would say that a lot, and most of us still use it. Uh, and we use it in a number of different ways. But uh, that was that was his, he was famous for that. Oh, that's nice to hear. Brings back good memories, I'm sure. <laughs> Um, can you kind of bring us up to speed on your political background? Like, how oh, did you sure. get to be where you are today? Uh, actually, uh, it goes back to the early 80s. Out of graduate school, I received a position with uh, Parkview. At that time, it was Parkview Hospital. Now, obviously, it's Parkview Health, and they have a number of hospitals. At that time, they only had one, and it was on Randalia. But they hired me right out of graduate school, and as part of our responsibility, in, as part of the administration of the hospital, the administrator at that time asked all of us to uh, participate in something outside of the hospital. He liked for uh, his administrative staff to be on boards and commissions and committees throughout the city. and. When we would meet, we would have to update him on what was going on. And it was a quick way for uh, him to kind of get a good picture of what was going on in the city. It was a pretty brilliant Actually, strategy. Wonderful idea. Keep a pulse of what's going on. That's exactly. We would just go around the room, and there were a couple dozen of us, uh, and they would tell him what was going on with the planning commission or with the board of zoning appeals or if they were on the board of the neighborhood health clinic, and they would just go around. Well, when I got on the staff, all the good stuff was taken. So I, be, I ended up being a volunteer with the Red Cross. And I, you know, I would let him know what was going on with the Red Cross. Well, back in the early 1980s, we had a pretty uh, significant flood flood event here in Fort Wayne. Our city was was underwater. This was back in 82, 83. Is that when Ronald Reagan That's visited? exactly right. And I worked in the shelter. And, uh, in fact, he came to our shelter. I had a chance to meet him. I was not a big Ronald Reagan fan at that time. But of course, I was a young liberal democrat and uh, i didn't really understand his uh the magnetism that he had i came to respect it later and the type of president that he was but i did get a chance to meet him and, and talk to him for a while it was uh he was a president so it was kind of neat but at that time i felt the city was not doing enough to take care of those I was responsible for in my shelter. Of course, we had a flooding event all over the city, and there were a number of different areas that the city had to respond to. But as far as I was concerned, mine should be first. Uh, <laughs> so I went, I actually went to the city county, but I wanted to meet the mayor, who I'd never met. 
and wanted to plead my case that we needed more supplies and we needed more uh, more of everything. Well, I couldn't get in to see him. He, They said he wasn't there. I don't know if he was or not, but uh, uh, I got very irritated uh, at that time uh, with what I thought was a lack of attention to my area. So much so that I went to the city council and found out who he was and pled my case there. He also was not in a position to help. So I got irritated enough that I, I ran against him in the next election and I beat him. And the interesting thing is I, I had never been to a city council meeting in my life. I had no idea what their job was other than they were part of the fiscal body and uh, of the city. And I knew they controlled the money and that they should invest more in this area that I was responsible for. But I, I did end up winning and uh, had to be kind of a quick study on uh, what city council members did. And I ended up serving 20 years. So you kind of fell into it. Mm-hmm. And then you were just like, you know what? I like this. Yeah, once I found out what the true responsibilities were of a, a city council member, Really, they have three primary responsibilities. One is to obviously represent the area that they were they were representing. In my case, it was the third district, which was north northwest. And of course, you have to live in your district, and uh, so that was one: is to make sure that the needs, wants, desires of the constituents that you represent, that uh, to the extent that you can, you help you help them uh, with those with those requests uh, and it can be everything from uh, noise pollution to uh, traffic problems to uh, zoning I mean, a number of things come across your table and then the second area is to take a look at the uh, legislation that governs our city to make sure that there is proper legislation do you do we need more to govern a particular area or is some of it outdated and needs to be taken out of the city codes so it's a matter of making sure that the laws the statutes that represent our city are appropriate and then the third area is a fiscal body that the Mm -hmm. mayor submits to the council the budget for the year the council goes through it and they make sure that what the mayor is asking for is appropriate and then they have to pass the budget so those are the three areas and again i had to learn those quickly and fortunately uh, in graduate school i I majored in in business so i could read a budget and i knew uh, how to read a ledger sheet and debit score on one side credit score on the (laughs) other but uh, uh, anyway i got through that and uh, i ended up really enjoying uh, that level of responsibility so then what made you decide to go from <laughs> city council to mayor? Actually, it was my wife. I was actually, uh, I ran for a sixth term on city council and I got beat. Uh, Councilman Tom Didier, uh, who's currently on council, he beat me back in 2004. We had annexed uh, a lot of new area in the city and we had to draw new district maps which is what they're doing right now you have to do it after every census every 10 years and in 2000 they had redrawn the districts and a lot of the strong democratic portion of the third district got moved into another district and they brought a lot of republicans into the third and i ended up losing by i think it was 100 votes but i got beat and and that's fine i had served 20 years 
so I was out. But then the next election came around in 2007, 2008, and our mayor at that time, Graham Richard, decided not to run for a third term. And the Democrats didn't have anybody. So they asked me, and I said no, that I had served 20 years on council, and I really didn't have a desire there. Uh, and they kept asking me and asking me, and uh, I kept saying no. So they finally asked my wife, and, <laughs> and uh, she said yes. Uh, so I ran, and uh, I was fortunate enough to win. They had to go to the boss of the family. <laughs> well, now we're in your fourth term. Correct. What motivates you to continue to serve? You know, when I first became mayor back in 2008, Fort Wayne was uh, an entirely different type of city. Uh, downtown was very quiet. Mayor Richard had decided to build a baseball stadium. And uh, just as I became mayor, it was finished. It was still very controversial. Mm-hmm. A lot of people did not want a baseball stadium built downtown. They felt the the old Wizard Stadium out at the Coliseum was fine. But uh, I think Mayor Richard felt they had to do something downtown because mm-hmm. it was pretty dormant. Uh, there were a lot of empty storefronts. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of businesses had moved to the suburbs. There was hardly anybody living downtown at all. Uh, it, so for a, for a city of a quarter million people, it was, it was pretty quiet. So that was his attempt at trying to do something. Uh, and I got to admire him. That was, it was pretty gutsy. Uh, because, again, it was very controversial. Most of the city did not want it built. Council hung tough with them and, and went ahead and passed it, and they built it. But it had not been used yet uh, as he got out of office. So the first season, I was mayor, and fortunately, our team uh, won the championship that year. And that kind of provided the spark for more and more people to come downtown and for businesses, developers to maybe take a second look at downtown. And uh, I think unquestionably, Parkview Field probably served as the catalyst for a lot of additional development. And over the next 14, 15 years, we've had phenomenal success with uh, our downtown and we've invested heavily. That was kind of a gamble on our part that uh, my administration felt if we invested heavily in our downtown that it would pay off because when a developer or a company or even individuals when they come into a city and take a look around if you don't have a vibrant thriving exciting inviting downtown the probability of them coming back is probably pretty low Mm -hmm. because there's nothing to do right and we decided to try to make it more attractive, to keep our banks downtown, to continue to make it our, our center of commerce. And interestingly enough, not only did businesses come in uh, and, and locate or relocate downtown, but retail began to follow and hospitality offerings began to follow. And it's just been, the, it's been phenomenal. When I became mayor, I think we had around 500 people living downtown and now it's approaching 3,000. Uh, so it's been, uh, it's been a good investment. Yeah. I can tell you selling real estate when I, uh, I do community tours for Lutheran Hospital. Oh, sure. And we go through downtown. First of all, I commend you. It's extremely clean. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people comment about that, how clean our downtown is. And then all the things that we have to offer. 
and it, it, I have to tell you, there's there's pride. I mean, you're driving them around, and you're, yeah, I live here. <laughs> you know, it, and I had a, a physician locate here, and he had offers from many different areas. And he said one of the things that was really exciting is he felt like the downtown area was such a diamond in the rough mm-hmm. that there were so yeah. many things to do downtown. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, I think we talked about this the last time, but something that was really interesting is he had somebody come in and was doing work and because they bought a place downtown. And they, when they found out he was from Denver, they were like, why, why would you come here? And he said, I don't think sometimes the residents of Fort Wayne know what they have. You know, because he said there's actually a lot to do if they want to do it. You know, but he said, we have been busy every weekend. So kudos yeah, yeah, to yeah. you. Oh, thank you. I, uh, it, it, I've got a great staff, number one. And number two, the citizens of Fort Wayne, as you just talked about, I think they're finally beginning to realize uh, what we really have here in Fort Wayne, and and uh, they're beginning to market our city rather than try to hide our city. It's interesting, uh, as you mentioned, how how people when they come to our city and, uh, and we try to get them to move here. And physicians, we've been marketing for physicians uh, pretty pretty heavily because of our healthcare market here, and many of them, as you said, comment on what we have that a lot of other communities don't. You know, one of the interesting questions to ask now is not just, you know, the, the healthcare environment and the salaries and all of that, but a common question that comes from the, the healthcare community when we try to recruit people is, uh, do you have an active trail system? Mm-hmm. And, of course, we do, and, and we're very proud of it. But a lot of communities don't. So that's a selling point that we can bring to the table as far as, as, far as quality of place rather than just financial incentives. You know, the other thing, too, with doing my investigating of, you know, information, because sometimes I feel like that double-decker bus, you know, <laughs> uh-huh. driving people around Fort Wayne and giving them facts. I think I'd be pretty good at trivia at Fort Wayne. But anyways, <laughs> um, thing that I find interesting is within a six-hour radius, we're within 25% of the population <laughs> of the United States. Yeah. You know, and when you tell people that they're like, what? <laughs> and you start naming off all the bigger cities and how close they yeah. are, I know when Tyler was younger, we would take you know road trips for a weekend and go oh, yeah. somewhere. So we've we've got we've got to see a lot of the Midwest mm-hmm. and do a lot of things. And I think Fort Wayne is such a great place for that. Plus, our cost of living is low, oh, yep. our taxes are low. Again, kudos, kudos, kudos. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of people don't realize too that we're the seventy fifth largest city in the country. I did not know that. Yeah. That's a fun fact. I yeah. did not know that either. Yeah, it's, I have a tour tomorrow. Something have, new to talk know, about. The top 10, 15 cities we all hear about, the New Yorks and the Detroits and the Chicagos and so on. But after, let's say, the top two dozen, it draws off, or it drops dramatically as far as population. And uh, we come in about 75, 76, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. That's didn't good. know that. Yeah. So you, again, let's circle back. Uh-huh. You're on your fourth term. Mm-hmm. What are some things that you have learned through this process? Or maybe a better way to put it would be, what would fourth term Mayor Henry <laughs> say to first term Mayor Henry? Uh, more than anything, to be patient. Uh, the wheels of government uh, move very slow. Mm. And prior to, prior to uh, becoming mayor, I own my own business. 
And if I needed to do something, I would just do it. And I would measure, you know, the, uh, the probabilities. And if it was 51% my favor, I would do it. It doesn't, it's not that easy in government. As I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, you have to go through a city council for a lot of these. And, and you know, that takes a minimum of three weeks to go through. And then if they want extra hearings, that's postponed another week. Well, I, it was very hard for me to make that adjustment. It, it drove me crazy hmm. because if we wanted to do something, I knew it was the right thing to do. Just do it. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's not that easy. So that's probably what I would, uh, what I would say to first term any mayor is to realize that uh, uh, it takes time. Hmm. And, and you don't always get what you want. Sometimes people have different agendas. And I was asked recently uh, what my biggest disappointment was hmm. in, in the last 14 years. And it was probably my failed attempt at annexation. Yeah. I wanted to annex out north, uh, north of here, quite a huge area. I wanted to bring in about an extra 20,000 people. Yeah. It got turned down by council, and I still think it was the right thing to do. Since that time, the state legislature has made it extremely difficult to annex now. So in all probability, I think this, the city that you see now is going to be pretty much the same city that you're going to see in 10 years. The only way neighborhoods can come in now is if they voluntarily want to be annexed. Well, you don't see that very often. Not very often. Um, Whereas previously, if cities felt it was in their best interest and they could get council to go along with it, you could do it. Again, it's not that way anymore. But I felt it was important then because it put us in a different population uh, category for federal grants state grants and so on. So I was yeah. trying to look at revenue streams to help our city. Big picture. Exactly. And unfortunately, council at that time did not see that. And we probably won't see that possibility again uh, for quite, quite some time, if ever. Hmm. Your greatest accomplishment, would you feel like that's the downtown area? Uh, unquestionably. I think it has, again, served us well uh, trying to transform our city uh, into something that we're very proud of. I think developers, businesses, uh, visitors, uh, I think it's, it, it has made a significant difference in how people view Fort Wayne. What are some visions you have for Fort Wayne, both short-term and long-term? <laughs> Well, I think right now we've been working for the past several years on a number of different initiatives. I just mentioned two to you. We also break ground in April on a new bridge there on Spy Run right mm. next to the gas house. That bridge will be torn down and a new one will be built. We've renamed it. It'll be the uh, Fort Wayne Veterans Memorial Bridge. It's going to be very grand. Much, much different than the Martin Luther King Bridge uh, because that should be a standalone make right. a standalone statement of its own. So this will be entirely different, uh, but I think uh, Fort Wayne will be, be very proud of it. We're also starting phase two of Riverfront. Phase one was Promenade Park. Which is beautiful. Uh, thank you. It's uh, That was a good public investment, and that was all public dollars. Well, phase two, which will move east to the Martin Luther King Bridge, that's going to be a combination of public and private dollars. Again, Riverfront and Promenade, the uh, mixed-use development, uh, that is part of the private development. And that particular development is about $90 million. 
Goodness gracious. And then we'll be continuing that, taking us down towards the bridge on both sides. I don't know if you've walked on the elevated sidewalk. Oh, on yeah. the Well, that's going to continue all the way down to the bridge. So that'll be a nice a nice addition. But we're, we're working on that. We have a couple of other pieces of property that we're negotiating right now. Uh, so, yeah, we have uh, – and then we're going to have some new roundabouts that we're going to be building. So there's a lot of different construction going on. <laughs> Need to send uh – tutorials on how to use a roundabout <laughs> you know just yield to your left it's not it's not really rocket science no, just not. yield to your left uh but yeah you're right it's people are still getting used to it <laughs> yes they are what's the expected completion date of phase two of the riverfront probably we're starting this year so it'll probably take two or three years maybe yeah Again, a, a lot of it depends on the private investment. Now, the the north side takes us right up to Fourth Street, right before that whole uh, North River property, and we've had several conversations on what might what what might go there. Uh, everything from sports venues to additional housing to office space. And we've been working on that for several years. We just have not come up with the right combination yet. But that's also part of Riverfront. That would be really cool. Yeah, it's, and then we'll probably continue east, phase three, to take us all the way to the confluence of the three rivers. And my hope is that they'll be able to do something with the confluence to really make a nice, nice statement as well. Maybe a huge fountain or, or something like that. That'd be cool. I like that idea. I do too. If you had a magic wand <laughs> and you could accomplish anything you wanted to oh, right, right my now, Lord. what would it be? Help transform southeast Fort Wayne. Mm. We've been, that's been an area that has struggled for quite some time ever since the suburban sprawl happened, geez, 30 years ago, maybe even 40. It took a hit. Uh, when, industri- when the East End Industries moved out, Harvester and Tokheim and Fruhoff and all of those other good employers moved out, a lot of people who lived there moved out as well. So we've got some real struggles taking place with business development, housing, hospitality offerings, and and so on. And they've just struggled. Uh, Mm. And it's not through a lack of desire. I think there's a stigma that has unfortunately attached itself to Southeast Fort Wayne. And it's really unfortunate because there's some great neighborhoods, great people. If, if I had a magic wand, I, I would uh, really try to get rid of that stigma and work towards transforming southeast Fort Wayne because I think it's taken a hit that it doesn't deserve. Hmm. What are some ideas like that you would bring to fruition? Well, probably right now I'm really happy with the announcement that we're going to have a new market housing development on Tillman and Hessen Castle, which is something that's not happened in 30 years. Uh, a new, again, market-priced homes. Uh, and that's very exciting. Uh, I just announced a couple of days ago that we finished our negotiation. We're going to get a Starbucks at, at Southtown. And, uh, and that's really important, uh, more important than a lot of people realize, because one of the challenges that hospitality offerings had and that businesses had that uh, offered products of, uh, uh, of choice rather than need was there's no disposable income southeast. Well, 
you don't build a Starbucks unless you have disposable income. Mm-hmm. Unless you have uh, some coins in your pocket, you're not going to spend three or four dollars for a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. And Starbucks has been very deliberate on where they put their their offerings. So I think that's a very powerful statement uh, to the community. Yes, there is disposable income out south southeast, and that may very well help begin the the transformation of Southeast. Now restaurants are saying, if it's good enough for Starbucks, it's probably good enough for us. And I'm hoping that that begins to snowball. So it's, we're, we're getting there. Field of dreams, build it and they will come. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> uh, again, uh, other restaurant tours that we've talked to, chains and others, that's been their primary reason for not locating there. So I, this could be a very powerful statement. That, and as I mentioned, housing, I think it's beginning to move, but again, I get impatient. Sure. Yeah. I feel like I've asked all the questions. Okay. My turn. As mayor, Uh how do you handle criticism? (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, This is where your dad's idioms come in. That's true. You know what? I actually, going back to my father... When I first got on city council, I remember the first editorial that was written that criticized one of my votes, one of my initiatives, and boy, I was hurt. I I did not like that at all, and I was really upset. And I remember my telling my father, and he said, "What are you upset about?" And I said, "Well, they you know they obviously don't like me." And he said, "He said it's got nothing to do with you." He said, they don't like the action that you took. It's got nothing to do with you personally. He said, don't, don't take these things personally. Not everybody is going to agree with you. And I've never forgotten that. And so now when I get criticism over choices that I have made, decisions that I have made, I have to look at the fact that everybody thinks the way I do, even though I, I think I'm right. Not everybody... Not everybody sees things the way I do. So you have to take it with yeah. a grain of salt. You have to realize that majority of time has nothing to do with you personally. In fact, a lot of these people don't even know me. Uh, they just don't like the decision that I made. So that's, I think that's how best we can, we as politicians can adjust to criticism is just you know, understand that people don't always agree with you. Mm. Thick skin, if you will. It's hard to get that, though, sometimes. (laughs) Yes, it does. My mother never did. My mom was alive. She, uh, oh, boy, if somebody wrote an editorial against (laughs) me or letter to the editor, oh, she got mad. (laughs) Oh, she got upset. No one's going to say anything about her boy. That's exactly right. (laughs) How do you, and this might be uh, two questions that kind of go together. What does a typical day look like for you? Mm -hmm. Okay, and also, how do you prioritize your work? Well, a typical day is, is hard to define because there's so many different elements that go on in our city on any given day. Uh, I have nine divisions. My cabinet has nine people from the police chief to the fire chief to the city attorney to the head of public works, head of city utilities, head of finance, and all the way around the table. Every day, different things are going on in each one of their 
particular divisions. So uh, depending on what's going on in that day, what might have happened on a given evening, things can change very quickly. So we may go into a cabinet meeting expecting one thing, and because of a perhaps a homicide that night or a five-alarm fire or something, everything changes. So you have to be able to uh, uh, adjust very quickly. So it's a typical day is really hard to define. Sure, makes sense. Now, I'll have regular meetings set up. I probably have four or five meetings a week that supposed to occur every week. You know, for instance, meeting with my deputy mayor, I, I meet with him several times a week, and they're scheduled for a particular day, particular time. Uh, so those, I know, are automatic, again, unless something uh, catastrophic happens. So those, I can say, yes, on a given day, I have these meetings. But again, sometimes you have to adjust on the fly. Mm. Uh, so that's it's, it's really hard to define a, a regular day. The and prioritizing, you know, again, is probably somewhat uh, of a similar answer. You know, we two years ago nobody had heard of COVID. Well, right. when that hit us, everything changed. Right. Believe it or not, even the even the war now in, in Ukraine is changing some of our activities because of the export business, import business, and so on, supply and demand, and mm-hmm. all of that, uh, fuel prices. And actually, that's one of the interesting components of being an elected official, uh, especially in a position like mine, because you have to constantly adjust. Mm-hmm. And uh, to be in a position where you can consult with people, whether it's your own staff or others, and determine what you feel is the best way to go. Not only is that a tremendous responsibility, uh, but it's also a fascinating way to, to, to live your career. Right. Yeah. I mean, those, I mean, I get that. That makes sense to me. Got to be a little bit flexible and figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. I get that. Well, I'm going to let you finish off with the 311 calls, and then I've got two personal. I'm going to put... Mary Henry. Oh, on no, the spot. I, have a, I have a lightning round planned in my head. <laughs> oh, so okay. we're, we're good. Oh, boy. So I did have a question. Actually, a friend of mine who's kind of in the political, he just uh-huh. likes politics, local uh-huh. politics. His question for you is uh-huh. what is something about running a city that most people wouldn't think about or consider? How much others are involved in the decision making process? You know, it's not just me mm. saying, yes, let's do this. The work that goes on behind the scenes as far as your networking, I'll call other elected officials, other mayors, and see if they faced a similar challenge. Yeah. Uh, or I'll call the state, talk to state representatives, state senators, the governor's office, or even Washington. And you'll know, talk to our senators, our congressmen there, or our lobbyists. So to be able to be involved in that type of uh, networking to help with your decision-making process is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, a lot of people think, well, the mayor just did this. Well, yes, but not alone. Right. right. Uh, there's a whole plethora of people out there that are there for a reason. Yesterday, I had the FBI on the phone. Uh, they were talking to me about cybersecurity, mm. which is going on now, obviously, through Russia, but how it might filter all the way down to 
municipalities our size, as I mentioned, we're considered one of the bigger cities in the country. Sure. So we have to make sure. So I, I call my head of information systems in to see what kind of levels. But all of this is going on behind the scenes, and that's what makes the jobs such a, a thrill to be part of. And why you can't play on day to day. I mean, why <laughs> exactly. you can't have it like hour by hour. So that's, I'll ask my 311 question. Okay. And then yours, and then lightning round, and we're, we're good. <laughs> okay. Okay, so here's my question. Outside of the trash, I know the trash has been yeah, a headache. Yeah, that's we're, okay. We're that's not all talking right. about that. It's getting better. What are the top three issues or complaints that you guys receive on your 311? Take garbage off the pick. Yeah, garbage <laughs> is off. <laughs> One is people's desire for more uh comfort with public safety they mm. want more police officers they want more firefighters and again it's much more complex than that sure you, you just don't throw people at a problem there there's other things involved but we get a lot of calls i need more police officers in my neighborhood i want more police cars patrolling my neighborhood can we have another fire station so we get public safety is probably first and foremost and that's understandable people want to go to bed at night with some kind of comfort level knowing that somebody's out there taking care of them. So that's yeah. that's okay. Uh, infrastructure, streets, roads, curbs, sidewalks, especially now with potholes. Infrastructure gets gets up. We got a lot of calls, uh, again, particularly now with potholes. Everybody has a pothole in their neighborhood. Yeah, it's that time of year. And right now, and I don't want to digress necessarily, but uh, right now we fill potholes uh, with what they call cold mix. It's not permanent. It's temporary just to kind of get us through the next month. It's not going to stay. It's going to come up. Sometimes when you hit it, you hear the asphalt coming up. Again, all we're trying to do is to keep these potholes from, from breaking your axle. Now, as spring and summer gets in, then we fill it up with a hot mix, and that does meld in and, and become a little more permanent. So right now when you see these, uh, these trucks out there, it's all just a temporary fix because we get complaints about that. We saw your truck putting asphalt in, and guess what? Potholes back. Yeah, we know that. Um, <laughs> we know how this yeah, works. We know, that's, that's how it works. <laughs> and the third is probably neighborhoods in general, maybe uh, uh, the state of a neighborhood. Uh, we get calls uh, quite a bit about, you know, my, my neighbor's uh, house, uh, the paint's peeling off. Uh, can somebody come out there and make him, make him paint his house? Well, uh, we do have a code enforcement division and that if your house gets to the state of disrepair, that it becomes a hazard, yeah, you you got to paint it. you got to fix your, your gutters. You've got to do this. And you you got to mow your grass. Things that homeowners are responsible for. Uh, there's a significant number of people uh, in our city who unfortunately fall behind for a number of reasons uh, taking care of their home, number one. And we also unfortunately have quite a few uh, absentee landlords. Many of them don't live in our city. They live God knows where. And they let these homes get into a state of disrepair. Well, if you own your home across the street, uh, there goes the value of your home. Right. So we get a lot of phone calls on problems dealing with, with the disrepair of homes and conditions of neighborhoods and sure. so on. Is it true? <laughs> That the Martin Luther King Bridge with the lights, you have a remote control that you can put on any colors you want to at any time. Yes. 
That is true. That is true. We have a, it's all digitally done uh, by by a, a a computer terminal. It's fun. We have over a million different variations of colors that you can do. Uh, now, right now, we're getting ready to fix those lights. And Martin Luther King Bridge has been up now for about 10 years and uh, 12 years. So we have to go in now. We've got to fix all the lights. They're, you know, they're, they're LED lights, but they still need to be fixed because they're on a lot. But, yes, uh, when we first built the bridge, uh, everything's um, computerized. So you could sit down with a computer in front of you, a keyboard, and play with different colors. Uh, I was allowed to do that once. Uh, they won't let me go back there anymore. <laughs> uh, now we have controls on it. But, for instance, just a, a week ago, we did have Ukrainian colors up for several days to show them that we, we support, support them. But if, uh, you know, if a high school team wins a basketball championship, we can put their colors up. Right now, we're backlogged with requests, but that's okay. Uh, we want it that way. Uh, yeah, people are involved. They like that's it. That's exactly right. Well, I so. will tell you, it sure is very inviting when you're driving downtown late at night. Mm-hmm. It's really pretty. Mm-hmm. It really is a great entrance to our city. Today starts Lent. Yes. What are you giving up for Lent? Well, you know, it, that's a good question. Uh, I made the de- uh, made the decision some time ago that you try to give up something eating certain foods or uh, drinking or, or whatever, most of the time you, you fail. It's like... New Year's exactly. resolutions. Uh, so what my wife and I have decided was rather than give up something, we try to do something oh, extra that's special. Cool. That's what we do. And uh, uh, we find it much more appealing. Uh, whether uh, whether it's it's picking a, sp- a specific charity and working with them either physically or or financially if we can give an extra something or uh, helping out a family that we know is is uh, hurting in a particular area to me that's much more gratifying absolutely that's a beautiful answer all right Tyler okay you're going you ready for this <laughs> lightning <laughs> lightning round. round oh Lord very easy stuff <laughs> favorite movie. Uh, Dr. Shivago. Tyler doesn't even know what that is. (laughs) (laughs) Favorite book? Oh, my gosh. Believe it or not, it was was Robinson Crusoe. Okay, yeah. Favorite food? Or could be type of food? Well, again, going back to my mother, I loved her ham and scalloped potatoes. Mm. I, I know that's very fattening, but I loved it. Still do. Who are your sports teams, the teams you root for, like college or professional? Well, college, again, I'm a football, baseball fan, but college, football, uh, Notre Dame, okay. obviously Catholic, I have to. Sure. Uh, uh, in professional, uh, it's the, I'm a big Colts fan. Okay. Baseball, we're, we're a Chicago Cubs fan. Okay. All right. Do you have a favorite quote? Oh, boy, a quote. Um, Robert Frost's poem is the thing I, I quote most often on the in the road not taken. Yeah, and I'm, you're both familiar with mm-hmm. that poem. I I quote him a lot in that particular poem a lot because to me it's so applicable in so many in so many yeah. ways. But John Kennedy's obviously his his quote is famous, and I remember it because I was just about ten years old when I heard it, and it's always stuck. Or Father Henry. <laughs> well, that is true too. <laughs> so we got three more. Okay. <laughs> okay. 
Who is someone, it could be now or in the past, someone that was a, a hero to you, you looked up to? It doesn't have to necessarily be personal, but maybe you just saw that they did, paid attention to them, and it was inspiring to you. Gandhi. Okay. Favorite place to visit, like for vacation? Ooh, another tough one. Uh, Siesta Keys. No, I'm just kidding. It seems like there's many Fort Wayne down there. Uh, boy, that, that's a tough one. My wife and I have been blessed to be able to, to go to a lot of different places. But we we really fell in love with San Diego. Okay. What about it specifically? Uh, I, I just think uh, it was so lush as far as vegetation and all of that. Now, if you move north, uh, you go up to Napa Valley and Sonoma. We, we love it there, too. Okay. Of course, well, we're, we're drinking wine as we'll we look around. We'll let them both go. <laughs> they both get to stay in there. And then last one, what's your favorite funny movie? Oh, my gosh. Oh, boy, there's just so many. <laughs> uh, the first one that came to mind was Three Amigos. Okay. That's, that is a funny movie. <laughs> so, yes, I agree. There's... Now, if you want to get a little more uh, mature, the, uh, the Hangover was also pretty funny. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> yeah, that, that was very was funny. funny. That's a little more mature, mature audience, but nevertheless, uh, it's it's also a funny movie. It's very funny. Um, I don't have anything else. Thank you so much for your time. And oh, again, my pleasure. Thank you for coming back. My, my pleasure entirely. Really, it means a lot to Tyler and I because once we found out the card was defective, we right. were heart sick. Oh. And then I poured... Mayor Henry, I corner him at a fundraiser <laughs> and said, please, please come back. But thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure again. Hey, many blessings to you and your thank family. You. Thank you very thank much. You. you bet. So this is the Selling Four Wayne Podcast. I am Tyler Morningstar, and you can reach me at 260-433-5385. And Carrie Morningstar at 260-410-8294. And I'm sure if you want to get a hold of the mayor, you'll know how to do that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Again, thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you.